thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far and has helped make 52 Weeks of Hustle such a success. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. I'm excited to have joined General Sports Worldwide, where Lou DePauli and I will be focusing on executive search and team consulting. Our services will range from recruiting, onboarding, training, development, business planning, consulting, and much more. We're really looking to be a full service agency for our clients to assist them in their return on investment and return on energy. Please let me know if you have any interest. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com as well as to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. There are certainly many individuals in this career path that knew they wanted to be in sales early on, but there are others that just fall into it and end up having an amazing career. Our next guest didn't realize the opportunity that sales could have on him and his journey, but he has taken full advantage of it. I'm excited to have our next guest, Jake Vernon, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Jake, welcome to the show. Travis, how are you, buddy? Great to be with you, man. Thanks for having me. No, I'm good. Thank you so much. And Jake, certainly very excited to have you and be able to really dive into your illustrious career. So let's start where we kicked it off. You always wanted to be in broadcasting, or so you thought, which is why I knew you'd be a perfect guest for this podcast, 52 Weeks of Hustle. And so you grow up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What intrigued you about broadcasting? Yeah, you know, Travis, like like most kids, right, who grew up watching sports, you know, the the announcer for me was Harry Callis of the Philadelphia Phillies. He was, I mean, his voice, as I, as I even bring him up right now, his voice brings up so many, so many memories. Uh, you know, I, I was a kid who, who loved listening to the radio. You know, I probably fell asleep to uh, thousands of Phillies games and Harry Callis's voice and, uh, and really Richie Ashburn were really, you know, with me at those, those, those times. And I think, uh, I just became enthralled with like what broadcasters do. You know, I think I can remember as a kid, you know, there'd be, you know, a pregame show that lasted maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Now, obviously they last an hour or a half hour, but I'd always tune in for that extra, you know, 15 minutes where they talked about what was going to happen, you know, the starting lineups and things like that. And I just, you know, I sort of fell in love with it. And for me, um, you know, again, like, like probably a lot of kids, I, I, I also had my own, uh, play-by-play going in the backyard as I shot hoops or, uh, yep. or uh, you know, uh, hit baseballs. I always had, you know, you know, with uh, 30 seconds to go, what would happen. And, and I just sort of played that out for a while. And, um, you know, when I started to think about careers, uh, you know, in high school, I just thought, you know, why not chase this down a little bit and think through, you know, my passion for what that was and, and really decided at that point, like I was going to go to school and, and uh, you know, try to get into broadcasting. You know, it's funny you mentioned like, you know, growing up playing in the backyard, you're broadcasting, you know, I'm sure every listener sitting back like, yep, I did that, you know, or I broadcast over the video games or the wiffle ball game. I was Harry Carey. And so as you're growing up, 
your dad ran restaurants, your mom was in yep. the insurance industry. So both of these roles, I'm sure helped you really see the value of not only building relationships, but work ethic, you know, and, and working non-traditional yep. hours. So how did sports ultimately become part of your life? And, you know, you kind of mentioned the broadcasting, but, you know, getting that work ethic instilled in you in such an early age. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, both my parents, you know, you, you mentioned my dad uh, worked and ran restaurants. My mom was in the insurance uh, industry, but for a long time as a kid, um, you know, working in restaurants, my dad hopped around a little bit. My, my mom uh, had multiple different jobs. Uh, and the one thing that always stood out to me as a kid was really just the fact that they were always at work. And, you know, and, and I was home, you know, uh, quite a bit with by myself or, or at sports or outside by myself and, you know, with my sister. And, and I just remember as, as I began to get old enough to really understand what was going on, I was like, they don't really love what they do. You know, I mean, I think they're doing it for a job and they, you know, like most people, you, you got to put food on the table and pay the bills. And, but I don't know that they, they loved what they were doing. And uh, I just sort of made it you know, it was something that stuck with me as I, as I got older and started thinking about college and thought about a career. Uh, anytime people would bring up like, hey, what do you want to be? Who do you want to, what do you want to do? I just was always gravitating towards something that I thought would be fun, something that I thought would be uh, enjoyable rather than, you know, even a job that paid me the most or even a, a job that maybe fit my, my, my personality. I just, I just wanted to make sure whatever I was doing, uh, I was enjoying it. My parents, you know, to their credit, uh, really, really embraced that with me. They just said, you know, they never put any guardrails on me and just were like, yeah, you go do what you want to do and have fun doing it um, because they didn't really, you know, have that opportunity. I'm sure they had fun at times, but, you know, when they were growing up, I don't think that's what they would have said they were going to do as a career. You know, and you and I have talked about this and I know a lot, a lot of our listeners have certainly heard this or have, have preached this, that you got to have a passion for what you're doing, right? We all grow yeah, up around sure. family or friends that, you know, even some are even vocal. Yeah, yeah. Just counting down the days till I retire. I don't want to be doing this. And it's like, yeah. well, why are you doing this? Do you yeah, that, that's that, a, that's the tough part. I think Travis, you know, especially with, uh, you know, in our industry, I think people think about it in one way, right. In sports for us, I think a lot of times people think of it like I'm going to practice or then I'm at games, but in a lot of ways, this is hard work. And, but it, so if you're not passionate about it, it sort of catches up to you. And I think uh, as I talk to people all the time, like, Hey, do you love this? You know, are you going to be passionate about this every day? It's, it's, it is something that I think is critical to success. No, absolutely. And you mentioned you, you had that passion for broadcasting. You said, yeah. hey, let's run with it. As you go to college, you go on to Xavier University, you study communications, electronic media production, and you get your first internship with the Cincinnati Reds. And you talk about, you know, communications, broadcasting, that's straight PR. And a lot yeah. of the PR, you always want positive. Yeah. You had some yeah. some curveballs turning early on. I, yeah. I know a few crazy stories as it yeah. relates to that PR. You care to share some of those stories yeah. with the Reds? I mean, talk about, uh, you know, when we get into sports, right, you, you, you know, as a kid, this is like a dream job. As I, as I mentioned, I grew up a Phillies fan. And so, uh, yeah, Xavier uh, provided me an opportunity. You know, there was a there was a little post-it note on a job board that said PR intern. And I thought, oh, this is me. And I called up and, and talked to them. And, and I was lucky enough to get the job. Um, back then, you know, the, the team was owned by Mark Schott, who uh, had some controversy going on with Major League Baseball at the time. Um, and there was just, you know, uh, it was it was a it was a, you know, an era of baseball where everything was was not uh, very modernized. And so, uh, you know, we had a you know, it was old Riverfront Stadium. The, the building itself was was pretty old. Uh, 
and so, you know, I, I walked in on my first day, right? Travis's opening day. I walk in, I got my, my suit on. It was probably, you know, my dad's suit, probably two sizes too big. <laughs> I barely knew how to, to tie my own tie. And I walked into to Riverfront Stadium and I uh, was walking down to the PR department and walking the other way comes Marge Schott and uh, Sparky Anderson, and they're both smoking cigarettes. And, uh, you know, uh, Marge Schott had a dog named Shotzi. It was a big St. Bernard and, and they had uh, Shotzi with them. And she comes walking down and again, day one, right? I'm already sweating. This is my first, first day of the job, right? And I can't believe now in front of me is the owner of the Reds and a Sparky Anderson, a, you know, a Hall of Fame manager yep. and player. And I, and I look up and, and, and sure enough, uh, March uh, says to me, well, honey, look at you. You look great today. And, I, you know, as I was sort of basking in my glory of like, wow, that, you know, the owner thinks I look great. She goes, why don't you take Shotzi outside and have him go to the bathroom and bring him back to me? Thanks, honey. <laughs> and hands me the uh, hands me the leash. And so I walked down, walk him down to my uh, boss's office and I said, hey, you know, what should I do here? And he goes, walk out into the garage and have him go to the bathroom and bring him back. So you signed up uh, to so, that internship as a dog walker. Uh, yeah, so I, I did that, right? And again, I brought it back. And, and part of me was actually pretty excited about it. I, in my mind, I was like, I can't wait to tell my roommates that, that, what, that this just <laughs> happened. Uh, but then I came back and, you know, again, opening night's a huge day, especially in Cincinnati. It's, a, it's really a holiday for them. Um, but yeah, you know, I learned quickly that day too, right? So uh, the umpire that day, really hot day, uh, umpire John McSherry tragically died. Uh, that day about uh, five pitches into the game. And, and I just, that, that experience to me was like, talk about the, the highs and lows of sports, right? It was almost eye-opening to me, you know, around my excitement and my joy and then how things can change and how that business, our business is so, you know, reactive and so can change on a dime. And I think, yep. you know, those are, those are ma major extremes, but I think all of us have dealt with some version of that along the way where it's, you thought it was going to be one thing, and then it changes to another. And I think my time with the Reds, you know, there was so much going on and I learned so much, but there was a, uh, Mark shot made it, made it really interesting every day. I'll just say that. No to doubt say the it. least. And, you know, I think yeah. your point, right. The, the ups and downs, that's why, you know, in the business it's control, you can control, you know, you, yep. you can't control the wins and losses. And, you know, I think the other piece of advice I took out of that was early on when you said you picked up the phone and called the hiring manager, to try to get an internship. And I think, yeah. you know, as, as candidates out there listening, there's too many of you that just re rely on, I'm just going to apply online or I may send an email, yep. pick up the phone. It's so easy yeah. to find somebody's hiring manager. Hell, you can find your cell phone number, I'm sure, online and, you know, get them a 100%. call. So, yeah, and I would say, I would say, Travis, even more to that is just, you know, you it's fine to send me your, your resume or even connect with on LinkedIn, but like the people that take that extra step, I mean, you stand out, right? If, if I, to your point, calling me, uh, sending me a note, uh, do all of that. Don't just right. pick one and, and really be aggressive. And, and I will say that Reds internship, uh, you know, I was one of the few people that actually called this person directly. And then the other part was, um, you know, I, when I walked in the door, I talked about how, I, how passionate I was about wanting this job. And I didn't talk about wanting to work for a baseball team. I just talked about the fact that I was wanted to start my career somewhere. And I think that resonated with the, with the hiring manager there. No, absolutely. And Jake, so you end up, your, your next internship was with the Indianapolis Indians of minor league yep. baseball with their PR department as well. And I'm sure you thought, boom, you've made it. 
But, yeah. you know, we've had certainly several guests here on 52 Weeks of Hustle that have worked their way up in the minor leagues or still in the minor leagues. And it quickly becomes put every hat on you can imaginable. So you'll know, walk yeah. the listeners through that experience at the Indianapolis Indians for you. Yeah, you know, again, I uh, took my, my, my internship, the Reds, was able to make some connections uh, through that job. And also another good example, you know, my, a friend of mine at Xavier, um, the, really the reason I got the job at the Indians, I just started talking to, to her about really what I was trying to get done with my career. And she said, you know, I have a friend uh, who works at the Indians who might be able to help you. And so really I made that connection and uh, I got this internship. And again, I walked in the door thinking one thing and boy, did it turn out to be something completely different, but it was awesome. I will say my time at the Indians, that franchise, the organization, um, they provided, you know, their internships were, were all encompassing, right? So you may be working on in PR, you might be working in event operations. Uh, I sold programs, I pulled the tarp, um, but I got to learn the ins and outs of so many different parts of the business. And as a college kid, I quite frankly, probably didn't know enough about uh, and it set me up to really understand, you know, what what the areas of opportunity were for me in sports and then what it was going to take to be successful. I think, you know, when you're standing out on a on a uh, baseball field, uh, pulling a tarp in the middle of a thunderstorm and you start to really wonder about some things in your life. You know, as you're making eight dollars an hour, uh, you start to really think, what, what am I doing here? But, you know, in the end, uh, that that internship, I made some incredible relationships. Uh, I worked extremely hard uh, throughout the entire summer. I think 10 day, you know, homestands. You're waking up on a, on a Monday morning after 10 straight days and going right back to work. Uh, and the other part is just the people that work there uh, were all really passionate about about their jobs. And and it was hard not to be motivated every day to be successful. And I, the other part to that is, you know, that, that Indians uh, internship really opened opened the door for me to uh, I through those connections. I ended up meeting my wife, who ended up being an intern for those Indian for the Indianapolis Indians a couple of years later. So. Uh, that that time of my life and that experience really holds a, a special place in my heart for sure. A big piece. And you certainly talk about the passion and the work ethic. And you had a similar opportunity with the Chicago Wolves of minor league hockey. Again, yep. putting all your hats on. So as you think back at your time, you know, specifically with those two minor league teams and putting all those different hats on and every day is different. You go from selling tickets to pulling tarp to being the mascot. Yeah. What's a key learning experience that you still feel like you apply to your everyday? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, when I look at those jobs, um, one of the things was was just being prepared for what was what you didn't know was coming around that corner. You know, I think when you came in every day, you thought it was going to be one thing and it, and it really was not anything like that. And some some cases, maybe somewhat like that. But when you walk into a minor league scenario, whether that's uh, hockey, baseball, whatever, you know, you, you, you think, okay, today I'm going to, you know, write some press notes and I'm going to make some calls for ticket sales, et cetera. But then, you know, at 10 o'clock, somebody might be like, Hey, you know what, this is going on. I need you to go out and, you know, clean the picnic tables out in left field. So I think part of this was just like being ready for anything. And, and I think minor league baseball really minor league sports creates that environment where um, you get to see it all. And also think uh, you, you gain respect for the people now when I think about now all the jobs that happen in minor league sports, they're all specialized when you get to the major leagues, when you get to the NBA, uh, MLB, and uh, NHL, et cetera, NFL, they're all specialized. But, boy, do I make sure that I know all those people and get to meet right. them and, and respect what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis because, quite frankly, I probably did it 
in my time with some of those minor league sports teams. Yeah, you've been there, done that. Well, yeah. you know, after some of those minor league experiences, you get that call to, you know, quote unquote, the big leagues and you join the Indianapolis Pacers and Fever organizations. Yeah. First as employee number three with the fever of the WNBA. And now that role was in ticket sales, but you were still holding on to that dream, you know, in, yeah. in PR. And you even wrote a few stories for the yearbook that year. And so yeah. when did it either click for you or when were you told or forced to say, hey, you got to pick a path now, man? Yeah. You know, and I think it was probably twofold. I think one was me personally had to come. I was I was really like chasing this PR dream for about three or four years. And, and it was, you know, I was making some small steps, but but wasn't making the big steps. And, um, you know, when I got the job with the with the Indiana Fever and the Indiana Pacers, as you said, Travis, I was I was employee number three. Right. And so they were counting on me to be, you know, 100 percent focused on sales. And, and back then, you know, for me, I got hired really because the Fever were joining the WNBA. And, and back then when teams got awarded franchises, they were awarded the team, but they had to go prove it. Right. They had to go sell. I think for us, it was good. They had, we had to go sell seventy five hundred uh, new season tickets by a certain date or the team would not you know, be uh, awarded. So that to me, like sort of got me focused and just said, all right, like I can't let these folks down. They gave me this job for a reason. Now, sure, along the way, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, I'll do this. But, you know, if a PR job opens up, I'm going to go down there and apply and see if I can do it. Um, but, but that to me, that at that point, Travis, what I really learned there was like, it was time. I couldn't keep playing games, like trying to do certain things. And the other thing I'll say is that year, as I was, you know, um, trying to, you know, hit this goal with, with a small group of employees, uh, with the fever was I really got that competitive spirit that I've been, you know, you know, looking for uh, that, that, that goal that we were chasing got my adrenaline going and uh, and I think at that point, I was like, hey, I started to realize I was I was pretty good at it, that I had the personality for it, that it wasn't, you know, I think sometimes we think of sales as a, as a dirty word. Right. And I think right. I was still in that mindset as a young kid. I was like, I don't know. I don't want to be a used car salesman. That year, I just realized that this was uh, this was more than that. This was a, a real big time business, a big time job. And they were counting on me and I wanted to deliver. And so yep. uh, during that time. Um, I really committed to myself of like, hey, it's time to time to chase this down and really be committed to 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 being the best salesperson, uh, the best salesperson I could be. Um, and I think, you know, that helped me really just, you know, get focused and decide, OK, this is a career path. And of course, I'll just say, Travis, the commission always helps with those decision making yep. processes. I think, it, you know, I, no disrespect to my minor league uh, experiences, but. I wasn't getting paid as much commission and, 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 uh, and right. getting what I was getting uh, when I started with the Indiana Fever and the Indiana Pacers. So, so that definitely helped change my uh, focus. That's what I've always said is, is, look, regardless of what path you want, but I, I was the same way. I, was, I thought I was going to be in broadcasting. That's what I wanted to do. But then I quickly realized sales is competitive and you can make a lot more money and yeah. move up the ladder quicker. So, but, you know, and, and look, you know, who knows where that PR path may have taken you, but you certainly decided on that sales path for multiple reasons yep. and, and certainly really excelled in it. So you end up staying at the Pacers and Fever organization for over 12 years. You had five different roles as a Fever sales rep, Pacers sales rep, manager of ticket sales, director of groups, and then the VP of sales. And so what do you feel like over those 12 years and, and certainly the start of your sales career, you did on such a consistent basis to continue to get promoted internally yeah. multiple times? 
I, I, I'm one of those individuals, Travis, that just uh, knows that have played basketball with me, just know this for sure. I can see probably a lot of my colleagues laughing at me at this <laughs> point, but I just hate to lose. Like I am, I'm that person that, you know, probably hates to lose more than I, I love to win. And, and for me, I think what, what I always, I sort of brought that to my sales uh, jobs. I always brought that to, to my, to my work personality too, was I just, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to, if anybody wanted to, you know, challenge me, uh, you know, on the sales board, I wanted to be the very best. And so I became really results driven. And um, I started to make a name for myself based on the results I was having, the success I was having. And I think a lot of a lot of folks, especially younger, uh, early in their careers, they need that success because it builds that confidence. And all of a sudden, for me personally, uh, I went from somebody who was unsure about me myself as a salesperson to being super confident, and and that confidence just built, continued to build, and allowed me to succeed. I also think uh, I'm a pretty resilient person. I grew up in Philadelphia. I think that's sort of just our mantra, you know, <laughs> you know as a city. But you know, I'm pretty resilient. I think as a salesperson, you have to be, you know, that that resiliency matters. And I think in in Indiana, we we were blessed early in my career with um with a, a very good team. But then there was some, you know, that that sort of middle time with the team was we, we were struggling. We had some issues, you know, Mouse at the Palace created yep. some some issues. We didn't make the playoffs for several years. My resiliency and my ability to like just sort of brush that off and come to work every day and not let that become a, you know, a distraction, I think also was recognized. And and I think lastly, it's just like I really enjoyed working with people. And, and I, I think I've, I've always worked well with people, whether that's people who work for me. Uh, people I work uh, for, uh, and even the people my my people I work with. So I think yep. those things really drove me. And I and I, I think um, you know when it, when opportunities arise, I think it's important for everybody who uh, who are trying to get to some place in their careers that they raise their hand and say, "Hey, I want to I want to do this," you know, and start start really being aggressive. And I and I was uh, that way as a, as a uh, as a young rep. You know, and you kind of mentioned, you know, we've talked through the podcast about the compensation and being able yeah. to be competitive, but, you know, you, you were certainly crushing as a sales rep, but then got into leadership. So yeah. how did you ultimately know, and, you know, for some of the listeners out there, advice for them of like, when did it click that, you know what, I really want to lead because as we all know, yeah. we've been very transparent on this conversation, you know, in, in this podcast and, yeah. and everyone else is, hey, your first couple of years in leadership, you're probably going to take a step back from a compensation perspective. Yeah, and I think that's uh, probably why I never even, you know, at first didn't really want to do it. You know, I think I, I, as a as a top sales performer with the with the Pacers, I was making a really good living. You know, sort of had a, uh, my own portfolio, running my own business, and and I enjoyed that. I really, as a as a, a salesperson, really was able to sort of control my own destiny. And uh, I owe a lot of what. Uh, a lot of my decisions to, to get into leadership to uh, a few people that I worked with. And I think Doug Dawson, who uh, is with the Dallas Cowboys now, he came in as, a, as our vice president early in my career. I was sort of just getting to that pinnacle of being a top sales performer when we hired Doug and he came on as a, as a VP. Uh, in addition to that, you know, um, he hired some great people around me. So I start, I had like what, what started really or what was really me as, a, as the top performer and I wasn't really being pushed from anyone else on the staff to now all of a sudden I had a bunch of superstars around me that really were pushing me. And I think uh, when Doug hired uh, Ben Milsom, he brought him in as inside sales manager and it was a role that 
uh, he had posted and uh, I didn't apply for, I just was like, oh, I don't want to do that. And yep. when Ben came in and I saw, you know, uh, he got to hire his own staff. I saw the meetings he was in and I saw sort of the influence he was having. I went into Doug's office. I was like, Hey, hold on. Like, I think I want to, I think I want to do some of this. And, yeah. and Doug, you know, to his credit could have easily been like, Hey, you're not ready or, or, you know, go back to your desk and keep selling. He was like, Hey, well, you've never mentioned this to me before, you know? And, and he actually, you know, sat down and was like, all right, let's talk about this. If you want to do this, here are some of the things we got to work on and things that I needed to, to start to think about. And quite frankly, you know, you know, all of that really boiled down to the fact that uh, Doug was like, look, you need to start caring about everybody else more than you care about you. And, um, you know, I think that really has really resonated with me where it was like, I needed to start being a mentor. I needed to start going on sales appointments with uh, other people and, and, and sharing my knowledge or my abilities with other people. Um, and at the time I was, I was just like, that seemed like extra work that wouldn't really do anything for me. So when, when he, he challenged me that way, I really started to do it. And quite frankly, what I found was that the fulfillment from that was just as good as selling and being the best seller, right? Or a courtside seat. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it became this, this challenge from for me that I really enjoyed. And I, I think I owe a lot of that to Doug uh, and, 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 you know, Ben and Ben Milsman, Kevin Fertur, who are also great uh, superstars in the industry, you know, they, they helped push me. I, I think, you know, early on, we definitely had some bumps in the road, but those guys are all, you know, best friends at this point. Absolutely. You know, you got into leadership and, and, you know, first half of this podcast, we talked about your passion for PR, but also now that you're a leader, you've got to talk through with people that, you know, may have a, a start in sales, have a passion for sales and they yeah. go other directions. And you know, one of those is Peter Dinwiddie, who you yeah. hired as an inside sales rep, helped get promoted to group sales. And now fast yeah. forward is now the executive vice president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. So you, know, yeah. you see that one coming and, and what do you feel like in general, whether it's what Peter's doing now or what some other people that you've seen that maybe aren't in the sales vertical or maybe even in sports. Yeah. Why was it so important that, you know, what they've learned? Well, I'll tell you what. So Peter, um, and I've joked about this with Peter and, and with a lot of people, you know, how many times Travis, we've been at job fairs or interviewing people and they say, yeah, I want to, you know, what's your, what's your, what's your uh, career goal here from, you know, this, you know, if we hire you as a ticket salesperson and they turn to you and say, well, I'd really like to be the general manager of the team. Yep. I, I mean, I will say that's a tough answer to come back from because I think we're all as salespeople. Right. We're like, no, no, we want you to be, you know, focused on sales and be great at sales. And the idea that you could go from a salesperson to the GM of the team to quite frankly, seems crazy. And very but, unlikely uh, to happen. Right. And, and so, you know, you, we get that all the time. And, and uh, you know, Peter, I'll just say, I've known Peter uh, a long time. I've known his family a long time. And when we hired Peter, I knew he was going to work hard. He was a guy who uh, went and got his law degree out in Boston, uh, came back. Uh, you know, he was a, he was a bartender at a local establishment that I maybe a, a, a attended every so often. And and we got to talking and he was just like, Jake, I, I want to get back into this. I want to get into sports. And, you know, we sort of made the connections and he he had some other connections within the organization. But when we hired him in inside sales, you know, as we just talked about, Travis, where I was trying to decide between PR and sales. I mean, when he walked in the door, he could have easily just been like only there just to try to get his foot in the door with basketball. But he focused and was just a just an absolute workhorse. I mean, he was there all the time. He was the first one in, last one out. Um, and he worked his way through inside sales to groups, as you mentioned. Um, and, 
you know, the story as the story really goes, you know, uh, Peter took advantage of what we were talking about earlier, building relationships with people, the people you work with and the people you work around and for. He happened to, you know, talk to uh, to Donnie Walsh one day and, and just said, you know, I, I went to, you know, Donnie was a lawyer and, and, and the story is pretty well documented. But Donnie, you know, just said, why do you have a law degree and you're working in inside sales? What are you doing? And, and he just said, you know, I want to get into to, to basketball ops. And, and to Donnie's credit, he gave him some projects, but he also gave him projects, I think, in terms of like, hey, this doesn't, you know, don't take away from your regular job. So like, Peter right. literally would work you know, 10, 12 hours on selling tickets and uh, go home and work, you know, several more hours on some of the projects that Donnie gave him. And so, uh, you know, it, it worked out really well for him. And I think, uh, you know, I will always joke that, you know, I, I promoted him to group sales manager. And uh, I think maybe you know, a few weeks after that, Larry Bird called me and said, hey, can you come down to my office? And, you know, that wasn't unusual. So I walked down right. his office and he sat across me and said, so, hey, uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to move Peter Dinwiddie over to uh, as the director of basketball operations. And I was like, <laughs> uh, what? You're like, I just <laughs> promoted him. I'm like, that guy's my group sales manager. What are you talking about? And so, uh, you know, I think he um, he earned everything he got. And I think he's a guy that just he's super smart. Uh, he's a, he's got a, he's a fun uh, personality. And I think he's uh it's a it's a success story that honestly I love telling because he earned everything he got. And I think if you if people are listening to this or people are out there thinking about, oh, I'm going to start somewhere and get into to being uh, in basketball. Like it's not impossible. But boy, do you have to make sure you put uh, a lot of work into it because no one's going to hand it to you. I think it comes back to just dominating your day and dominating the job at yeah. hand. And then the yeah. right people will see it. And you talked about Absolutely. that. And Jake, throughout your time in Indianapolis, you had a lot of really cool experiences, you know, and we've already talked about working your way up, yeah. but you opened a new building, you went to the NBA finals during your time there, you just mentioned, you know, it wasn't uncommon that the Larry Bird would call and, you know, he was first the coach and the president of basketball operations. So how was that yeah. working alongside, you know, the, the legend Larry Bird? Yeah, I would say we, we were blessed uh, with a lot of, you know, uh, great people at the Pacers and and obviously Larry made the adjustment from you know a player to a coach and then while I was there then made the adjustment to being in the front office and and uh, you know I think sometimes you know people think in those roles that you're more of a figurehead but boy Larry was involved from from the get-go and and I, I really appreciated the fact that he dove in uh, on the business side and said what can I do to help how can I how can I be there for you guys I mean, he's a legend in Indiana, right? So as, yep. as, as salespeople, we're always trying to find a door to open and make a connection. How can we get, how yeah. can we get that prospect there? And so he was always open to doing things. You know, he would host happy hours. We would have dinners, things like that. Now he would like to make fun of it, you know, afterwards and be like, you know, that he, he was working harder than I was and, and that he sold more tickets than <laughs> I did. But, you know, I think, you know, a great example of that Travis is, uh, you know, and he was also super competitive. So like, you know, I think one day we were, we were going through some best practices with the owner and talking about how we were going to sort of keep our, our, uh, maintain our season ticket base as we were going through a tough time with the, the mouse and the palace just happening and people were just turned off right, uh, that summer. And so we were talking about this, you know, this, I think it was the San Antonio Spurs hosted a dinner at, at the owner's house and it was super successful. You know how the NBA shares yep. those best practices and we were going over it and Larry just sort of, you know, turned and was like, well, what if we just hosted a bunch of people at my house, you know, and, and now his, he has a sprawling estate in, in the Southern part of Indiana. It's more like a ranch, you know, and yep. has, you know, 
a pool, a couple of lakes and all this stuff. And, and uh, I said, well, Larry, that'd be great if we could do that. And, you know, and, and our, our, uh, our, our uh, director of membership uh, service uh, jumped at it. Uh, and, uh, and Heather Denton just went out and, and planned this extravagant event at, at Larry's house. And here I am thinking, we're going to invite a thousand season ticket holders to Larry Bird's house. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so, uh, you know, you, these guys, we bust them all down there. Uh, and, and this, the way I would say is I walked in and, you know, the first day and, and I look up and here's Larry Bird literally clearing brush on this property, getting ready for season ticket holders. For this to event. Yeah. And he, you know, and I'm like, this is crazy, but, uh, I have vivid images of our members swimming in his pool, fishing in his pond as he's walking around, handing out beers and just, you know, and That's lemonade awesome. and just, just, I mean, he just went above and beyond. Now, I think uh, those are those are incredible memories. And I'm sure there are season ticket holders out there still telling this story to this day, the fact that that they got to go to Larry's house. Oh. And you talk about, you know, we talked about the minor leagues early on and being able to roll up your sleeves. But even, you know, Larry Bird, who's a legend in, in the NBA circle and then president of basketball operations is is rolling up his sleeves at his own house. Um, yeah, and I think that I mean, just goes to show the work ethic is, is huge. So. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Jake Vernon, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So we've had a great discussion thus far, Jake, about kind of your career path and how it went from the PR broadcasting into sales, into leadership. And after spending 12 years at the Pacers, you decide to branch out on your own and create yep. your own company, Get Real Sports Sales, which specialize in providing professional and collegiate sports teams with a highly trained sales staff. So why was that time to make that move? Yeah, you know, I think, Travis, we, we all go through this, I think, at times, right, where you have an idea or, or a thought that just you can't get rid of. And this was one of those. It was something I even talked about with some of uh, my colleagues. And, and just it was a concept that was going around and a concept that uh, um, Aspire and Learfield Field were doing. And, and they were having success. They were, they were going out there and, and helping uh, colleges sell tickets and, and really show them how to work the business. And for me, I was at that point where I'd been, you know, in, in a leadership role for several years. I was probably looking for something, you know, a fresh start. And I also was at that, you know, you know, from an age standpoint, I thought, all right, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to give this a shot, it's probably right now. And um, I was ready for, you know, just something new. I, I think I'm a, somebody, as I talked about earlier, like I want to be able to, uh, you know, wake up every day and, and take on the day with some passion and, and be fired up and, 
not that I was completely out of that, but it was it was waning from where I was several years prior to that. So um, I decided it was like, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be now. And, um, you know, I took that leap of faith. Uh, I loved every second of it. It was it was the most challenging and probably the most exhaustive process that I could go through. I mean, there were nights where I was just like, uh, you know, is this, this is the dumbest thing I ever did. Um, but at the same time, I think there was so, you know, the level of fulfillment I got out of working in sports, it was times a hundred when I, when I had success. So yep. the fact that, um, you know, the Cincinnati Reds, Butler University, uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the, the fact that within the first month, I was able to get some of these major, uh, major businesses to come on board with me. Um, boy, was that an adrenaline rush that I hadn't had in a long time. And, and it was, I also learned quickly that as the owner, you know, um, you know, it was my money. It was, yep. uh, I got really right. good at, at owning the business. I got, I understood uh, payroll. I understood uh, employee insurance and, and, and all these things that never come into play. Right. So I think and you don't have to even think about. Yeah. I mean, think about Travis, how many times you've submitted an expense report. Right. And, and, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, here's a, a, a dinner with a prospect for a couple hundred bucks. No big deal. Well, I mean, it's a big deal when you're on your own business. Right. Yeah, so like yeah. now, every time I submit those, those expense reports in my, my role now, I'm always like, yeah, I, I have a little more respect for it. And not that, right. you know, you it, lived it. It's, just, it's more of like an ownership mindset than I, than I had previously. You know, and you, you mentioned you had a good amount of success throughout your, your time there of, of opening and, and landing, get real sports sales yeah. with, you know, the Reds, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Butler, Charlotte Bobcats, just to name a few. And you yeah. started with just a few people. You end up having over a 30 person sales staff spread across the U.S. So you were certainly if you think back to that time out in front of the work from home process, that's now yeah. you know, yeah. uh, you know kind of a, a need. Yeah. So looking back, what was your greatest success from that time and in opening that company? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's it's probably the theme of, of where I would say my my success as a, in my career has come from is just the people that we that we hired and the people that we developed. I mean, we had some amazing people who took a leap of faith with with me, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, um, folks who, you know, interviewed in a basement uh, of, a, of, a, of an office. And, and quite frankly, uh, I don't know that I, I to this day wonder how in the hell did they say yes to what I was pitching at that <laughs> point? Um, but, you know, I think uh, the, the success is really in the people. And I think what what really uh, where my my confidence grew even further was just uh, that even on my own, I was able to develop, hire, train uh, great people. And I think, you know, we've had several success stories out of that. I know one is uh, is Court, Courtney Rice, who uh, formerly Courtney Blake, who was on, on my just Get Real sports sales team. Yeah. Yep. And, and I know on the podcast with you. Although she forgot to forgot to mention her time with me, but we'll we'll forget about that. <laughs> but uh, but I think you know we've had a lot of people that came through and people who are having great success uh, in other uh, at other teams. Uh, but the other part I think Travis was just the we we impacted uh, our clients. I, I think not everyone was a home run, but I would say our time at Butler, uh, I made some great relationships. It was coming off of uh, uh, their time uh, making the NCAA final. Uh, but we, you know, we showed them how to sort of run their own shop and we showed them what the impact can have if we have, if you have a sales force and you don't have to, uh, you don't have to give up on a Tuesday night game against a non-conference opponent. You could still drive a sellout for something like that. And, right. uh, you know, I think when you look at 
you know, the, the clients that we had and the things that we impacted, like, um, for the most part, I, I'm most proud of the people that we had, and I'm most proud about the results that we were able to deliver in, in, in circumstances, quite frankly, that were, were harder than the normal ones. Yeah. And it's certainly unheard of at that time. A lot of that area is yeah. just getting started. Certainly had a ton of great success over the three years. And then you got the opportunity to get back to the team side with the Minnesota Timberwolves, which you've now been with for over eight years. So what made you want to get back on the team side? Yeah, you know, as much as I loved what we were doing, it, it was a it was a grind every day. I think the you know as a as a business owner, you start to realize you know what are the margins, where 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 is the the upside. And I was still very much a, a mom and pop shop, and um, I started to really start to understand where the business was going. And, and quite frankly, I, I was either going to need to go get some bigger backing from a financial standpoint to start to compete with Learfield. IMG was getting into the marketplace. Aspire. Um, there was a couple others out there. I was going to need some more backing because, you know, the way the deals were being structured, it was requiring more of an upfront sort of commitment from from the uh, from from us. Yep. And um, I started to think, all right, maybe it's time to get back into uh, the team side. I also, though, Travis, I missed, you know, there as much as I loved some of these roles like with Butler and the Reds or, or Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you know, if Butler sold out a game like I was probably at home that night. You know, like right. I didn't have like that, 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 that uh, feel connection. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I missed that part of it. Um, and so when uh, I started to talk through the opportunity with uh, my friend, Ryan Tanky here at the Wolves, like I really just started to, to miss that piece of it. And I also will say uh, no disrespect to the other leagues because they're all great, but I, I did miss being a part of the NBA and Travis, I know, you know, yep. What, yeah. what I mean is like, you know, the, the people, the, 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 the way the business is run, the, the, the environment and just it was a it was a great opportunity that I just I felt like it was a it was an opportunity for me to come back and come back you know better than ever quite frankly the things that I learned as a as an owner of a business the things that maybe the things I was uh, needed to improve on when I was with, with the Pacers like it was a great opportunity for me to come back and and they, they've given me a, an incredible opportunity here I've loved. Uh, every minute of it from, for the most part. And I think, I can't believe it's been eight years, really. I mean, when you said that, it, 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 I was like, whoa. Uh, but it's it's been a great eight years and it's been a, a really fun journey with, you know, everything has its ups and downs, but uh, I'm, I'm proud of what we've accomplished and, and built here in the last eight years. Yeah, and we'll get into the journey. And, you, and I'm glad you just mentioned that, right? You're, you're proud of what you accomplished and built. And a lot of that is building with people. And, and I know yeah. people have always been very important to you. And you've really taken the time to focus on the recruiting, the onboarding, you know, the training, yeah. the development. Why is that so important for you? you? You know, I think that's how you create your culture. I think it's it's just such a critical part of this is like when you hire the right people with the right personality traits. And, and I think you want them to be you know, uh, of, of diverse backgrounds and think differently, but at the same time, you want them from a collective uh, goal standpoint to be all laser, uh, laser focused on, on what we're all trying to get uh, accomplished. And I think when you look at uh, from a hiring standpoint, development standpoint, we've invested in that side of the business because we wanted to create a culture that could sustain itself over eight years. You, you don't, you know, I think when you try to cut corners and and do things, uh, you know, not with the culture in mind, I think it, it, it does uh, hamper your ability to be, you know, have success uh, on a long-term basis. Uh, people to me also make it the most enjoyable. Like I, I just really, 
I enjoy and, and find energy and find motivation from the people I work with and, and the people that work for me. And so uh, as I went through this process and started to really understand what, what needed to happen here and, and you know, uh, at the time, Corey Breton was here with me as well. Like we started to really dial into like, let's hire great people and the culture then will follow. And at that point, uh, all the, the training and the process stuff that we felt was, was uh, our expertise would really make this uh, a special place to work. And, you know, you've certainly grown and, and developed a lot of people that are both still currently there, have moved on to yeah. other opportunities. And, you know, even throughout your time, again, eight years seems crazy. It flies yeah. by. But you went through a big renovation there at Target Center, now in the process of emerging in with new ownership. However, the yep. team, you know, on the court hasn't necessarily helped out a ton. Um, we talked yep. earlier about control. You can control and you can't control wins and losses. But you and the Timberwolves team have always found ways to have success. So, what do you feel like you and your team do on a consistent basis to have so much success in the revenue side without the help of the team? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think the, the idea, right, of, of planning and, and really being diving into the details is important. I think we've always had a good game plan and, and really have always um, had an integrated game plan across the company on how we were going to succeed, how we were going to sell you mentioned the renovation, right? I mean, that was a huge undertaking with uh, major revenue goals uh, connected to it. And so we couldn't just go out there and just sort of uh, count on us being the best salespeople in the market, count on making a, a ton of phone calls in the market. We had to figure out a game plan. And I think we, we really focused in on what that was going to be. And I think we just sort of knocked down each step of that game plan, not to get too high, not to get too low, not to try to fast forward through things, just one step at a time. And I think that approach has really helped us uh, each year in terms of not getting, you know, uh, over our skis on what we're trying to accomplish, you know, keeping the goals, um, keeping the goals obtainable uh, and also making sure that we had a game plan against that. Right. I think it's easy to be like, hey, we want to be, you know, uh, third in the league in group sales. Well, what does that actually mean? You know, what is what are the steps we have to take to achieve that and doing the doing the work behind it, the game planning behind it, you know, putting the data behind it. Uh, that was, that was really important for us. Uh, and, and success when you have the right plan, right. Uh, it doesn't matter whether the team wins or not. You're, I think you're still going to have success, right. I think there's yep. a way to sort of work through those issues. Um, you know, the, the saying of, you know, fa failure to plan is planning to fail. I think that's, that's true for us. Is like, if we do not do the work on the upfront, we're subject to, um, you know, what happens on the court more. And I think we've just, and for me personally, I've always taken that approach, even with the Pacers, right? It's like, let's do what we do uh, and the team will do what, what it does. And, and in the end, um, you know, the success that we have will be, you know, more controlled by us. You said control the controllables. I think that's, that's uh, sort of a mantra that I think uh, we've used a lot. And I know I'm glad you mentioned like game plan a couple of times because, you know, as, as much as sales is a team game and you guys as a, a leadership are putting yeah. a game plan together, each individual person, regardless of their role, whether you're an inside sales, whether you're a manager, whether you're a, you know, a director, a VP yeah. should also be putting their own game plan together. And I think it's crucially yeah. and vitally important to be successful as well. Yeah, we talk about that a lot, Travis, is like we have a, we have, you know, I have a department plan. Right. And each of my department heads have their own plan. But, you know, individually, we, we ask each rep to put together their game plan for the year. How are they going to get to 
season ticket revenue numbers? How are they going to get to retention numbers? How are they going to get to group numbers, suite rental numbers? You know, we're asking a lot of them as full menu sellers. So they need a plan too. And I think, um, you know, we try to talk about those plans. They submit those plans and then we follow up on them uh, throughout the year. But also I just uh, was talking to a, a, an employee of ours um, who, who just recently started. And I said, you know, what does success look like for you in a year? And I think those are things that we should be asking ourselves all the time. Like yep. what is success going to look like in October and in, in a year from now, six months, whatever that, whatever that time frame is and really work towards those, those goals. Jake certainly been fun. You've had an amazing yeah. career. It's been a fun conversation. As you look back at your entire career, what would be your best memory? Man, that's a tough question, Travis. I, I think I've been blessed with uh, a lot of incredible memories, like a lot of incredible experiences. I think uh, I will just say I've made some great friendships with people across the industry. Those, that's a big memory for me. But I think, and we talked about my, my experience being around Larry Bird. You know, I got the opportunity to be around Isaiah Thomas, some of the greats that have come through the Pacers organization. Um, you know, the, the celebration at Prince's house also stands out after we won the Lynx uh, uh, WNBA championship. Uh, that was incredible. You know, I, the idea that I would have walked out of Prince's house at, at 430 in the morning uh, one night, as you know, if I would have told that to my 15 year old self, yeah, uh, I still don't think I would believe it. Yeah, you can't uh, make that up. No, not at all. But I, I will say, I think, um, you know, my best memory is, is probably, uh, you know, my first year in Indiana, we went to the NBA finals and just being around, you know, the, the NBA finals and the pomp and circumstance that goes along with it. The fact that our owner flew us all out to LA, uh, we got to stay in a, in a five-star hotel and just, I, I really saw, you know, that first year I saw what was possible and what, and, and I got to be honest, that experience probably drove me to, 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 to deal with the ups and downs that sports may throw at you because that the pinnacle of that, of being in the NBA finals just was incredible. And I think it's still, yep. God, I, I hope I get back there. I think in year one, Travis, I thought, Oh, I'll, I'll do this a few this times in my career. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, unfortunately that has not happened, uh, since then, but I, I think, uh, it keeps me, keeps me motivated, keeps me, uh, uh, you know, I, I on the future and how do we get back there? So I, I hope, uh, hope we can do that here in Minnesota, but that, that to me is probably, uh, one of the best memories I'll remember in my career. Awesome. Well, Jake, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey on both the team and running your own company. And so to close yeah. out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Yeah let's, yeah, let's do it. If you could be any cartoon character, who would you be and why? Uh, man, that is a cartoon character. I, I would probably, uh, that is a tough one. I mean, I would probably go Batman on that one. All right. A cartoon character. Yeah. 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 I think Batman was my, my, uh, I think that was a show I probably watched the most for sure. Growing up. What is a clothing style trend that you would love to bring back? Oh, hundred percent baggy shorts. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I guess I haven't never gotten rid of it. I was going to say, I mean, eventually it's going to come back if you just keep wearing I mean, the same yeah, clothes I, over and I'm over. I'm just saying, I grew up, you know, again, I'm, I was one of those kids. I was in, you know, high school as as the Fab uh, Five was coming in. And, you know, like, 
I mean, yeah. like, I want to go back to those days, like the Jalen Rose shorts that went down to like his his ankles. Like <laughs> me, that that I still probably have a lot of shorts that that are like that. So I can't I can't do the uh, the short shorts that are in 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 fashion now. So well, that's what in fashion in general I always say is like eventually if I just keep wearing them, I'll get made fun of for a little bit, but then eventually it's going to come back. Hundred percent, hundred percent. What TV show would you love to be on? Oh man um tv show i'd love to be oh for sure dukes of hazard yeah for sure nice. dukes of hazard there's like I, I mean as a kid like there's a lot of a lot of different programs that i loved watching but there was just something about dukes of hazard i mean i don't know i don't know you you know i tried to slide across the front of my car so many times <laughs> you know, my parents cars were dented for a long time yeah. there, but yeah Dukes of Hazard. I'd love to be chased by uh, Roscoe P. Coltrane for sure. Just running around. Well, Jake, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we, we talked a lot about it, about it, Travis, but like, you know, follow your passion. Like, what do you what do you love to do and, and chase that down? Like, I, I, I think um, if I could, you know, give advice. I mean, I have two young boys and I talk to them a, a, a lot about this, but they're, they're 17 and 14. And I'm like, Hey, do you, do you really want to do this? Do you love doing this? And like, make those decisions based on that instead of what you think other people want you to do or what you think you should do, or what's the safest decision, like yep. chase that down. Um, I'd also say that this day and age, like you've got to be, um, you got to be curious, like, like constantly curious. I think the world is changing so rapidly. Um, I think it, for me, it's like, I, I try to stay on top of things as best I can. I mean, uh, I, I'll use the example of like, uh, you know, NBA top shot and NFTs and crypto, like, you know, I, I can't be a dinosaur. I got to go learn, yep. you know, and I think you people should really be curious. Yeah. They got to evolve. And I think, uh, for people like make sure you're, you're, you're staying curious and, and learning every day. Uh, and lastly, I think, and this is not advice, this is advice I got when I was younger, but, uh, from, from a mentor, but, you know, um, as you make decisions on where you're going to work and make decisions on, uh, the jobs you're going to take, like, do you, do you, uh, do you respect and, and appreciate the people you're going to work with, uh, people you're going to work for, and, uh, does it have a career path to it that you can succeed in and, if the answers to those are no, then, then, you know, you should take a step back and make sure you're keep you're, looking. Uh, yeah. And, and, and find what's, what's right. Because I think too many times, I know I've made this mistake. We get in this faith, this, this idea around this title that I want, or, or this part of the country that I want to live uh, or this salary that I want. Like in the end, I think you gotta, you gotta focus on, um, on, on things that are going to make you happy. Couldn't agree more. Great advice there. You know, follow your passion, be intellectually curious at all times. And, and it, you know, we talked about this a lot during this podcast. It, it starts and stops with the people. Surround yourself yeah. with the right people that you truly can respect and that has yeah. your best interests in mind. Jake, thank you so much. You certainly had a great career. Pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate your time, expertise, and certainly our friendship. Travis, thank you so much, man. I truly enjoyed it. I know you you, you wanted to be in broadcasting, so uh, I think you're doing a pretty good job. You might want to give up your day job and start doing this full Hey, maybe but... you and I can just become the one-two punch. We get back to our <laughs> broadcasting days. Well, exactly right. Thanks exactly again. Right. This right, is buddy, Travis thank Apple. You. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.